suffers violence, and that even today we're still in a war, and it's amazing, all the saints have to do is be quiet and compromise, and there'll be no persecution at all. And all that we have to do to attract demonic persecution in our lives is to take a stand for Jesus. And do you know why those saints that literally gave us the Bible... Let me ask you something for a minute. Does this seem strange to you that someone would rather be fed to a lion than to deny the name of Jesus Christ? All they have to say to go scot-free is, I don't know him, I don't believe in him. You want me to light a little incense to Caesar? No problem. Give me the lighter. Why would they rather be fed to a lion publicly? Why would they rather be put in mock naval battles and battles against beasts and battles and all kinds of things just to entertain a mob? I'll tell you why. Because they had met the Lord Jesus Christ and there was something they were never going to do and that was to deny Him and deny His will and purpose. It's amazing. You read this book. Do you realize the authors of this book, some of them were put to death for their faith. It's time for us to realize this isn't Halloween. I don't care how the world perverse it. It's all Hallows' Eve. And it was the greatest men and women that have ever lived that lived their lives to give us this book that your life could be transformed, that you and your family would know the living God, that you could go to heaven one day. And it's amazing to me again that the battle for the kingdom is raging right now. I really want to encourage you to continue to pray again that the will of God is done in, in this church, in this situation, in our lives. Again, it's unbelievable to me. It's unimaginable to me. In 29 years, I've never heard of anything so wild in my whole life that one brother would murder another brother in the name of trying to take over a church building so he can have an inheritance. And having the other brother refuse to compromise and not give in and not split the money. How many of you would take a couple of mil just to walk away? Danny wouldn't. i got to declare that today as I think about All Hallows' Eve. Danny wouldn't. The few times that I met this young man, it's just, it, it, it's, it's staggering to me. You know, I'd like to come and talk about how, you know, I don't know, a thousand years ago somebody died for their faith. problem for me is it just happened on Thursday. Right here in Chicago. And even closer to home than that. Right here in the very situation that we're facing. You know, it's amazing. All you have to do is compromise. And the enemy won't give you a hard time at all. He's bought you. There's an old song that used to be in Toymaker's Dream. If you can be bought at any price, you will be. Boy, I wish I had that song to play right now. If you could be bought at any price, you will be. I hope that there's no one here for sale. And I'll say this to you. Jesus has already purchased you. He's already paid the price for you. That's real Christianity. Someone died that you and I could go to heaven. We need to live for them with all that we are. Amen? Hallelujah. Well, if that's not sobering, I don't know what is. Wow. Let's turn over to the book of Nehemiah this morning. 
Again, you got to forgive me. This whole thing is sort of catching me by surprise. The last thing on earth I thought that I would find this morning is, is what has transpired and what is happening. I tell you right now, there's a battle raging, and it's for Chicago. And I hope that every one of you will pray like you've never prayed before. I hope that you'll live like you've never lived before. And I hope that you'll do everything in your power to be the man or woman of God that God has called you to be. There is no middle ground, church. There's only those that are on fire for God and those that are living for themselves. And every one of us has to make a choice. There is no middle ground. You either love the Lord with a passion and even a a, a self-sacrificing love, or you've been bought by the world. And again, we've just seen it. Amazing. We're going to have a very short service this morning because today is our extended staff meeting. And I think all of you know that I like to get out at about um, 11.40. But I do want to share the Word of God with you. The Lord just really gave me such a clear word out of Nehemiah. Again, I want everyone to take a minute and turn there. Let me get my coat off so I'm not sweating during church. Um, But let's take a minute and read this. Hallelujah. We have the opportunity to give today. Where Where is, yeah, I'd like to pray over our offering. We have that. Let's all stand together and then we're going to turn our attention to the Word of God. Here, hold that, honey. Let's all stand together. Father, we just rejoice that we could give, that we could sow into your kingdom. God, we ask in the name of Jesus that you would bless, you would even multiply every single penny that is being sown today into your kingdom. Lord, I ask that you would take the the loaves and the fishes that we have. God, we commit it to you. We place it into your hands. We ask that you would bless it and break it and multiply it, God. Lord, we ask that you would give us all that we need to serve you faithfully, God. Oh, Holy Spirit, we look to you, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. I tell you, every day, every time you come, I would encourage you to sow something. Get faithful in your tithes and in your offerings. You know, I can say that after we've received the offering. I'm not, I'm not here to try to get more money out of you. I'd really love to see your life blessed. I'd love to see you get to a place where it's not just you surviving in this world. Think about what God said to Abram. Abram, as for me, I'm going to make you rich. I'm going to bless you. But what did he go on to say? I'm going to make you a blessing. Do you understand that's God's will for every one of us? That every time you see someone in need, you would have an abundance that you could make a difference in that person's life. Jose, can you do me a favor and plug in that black plug over there, brother, so that I can actually see up here the last couple weeks since they've installed some lights. I have gotten spoiled, and I like them. Hallelujah. Let's read this together, church. I'm in Nehemiah chapter 1. The Bible says the words of Nehemiah, the son of of Hakaliah, it came to pass in the month Chislu. In the twentieth year, I was in Shushan, the palace. Hanani, one of my brethren, came, and certain men of Judah, 
And I asked them concerning the Jews that had escaped, which were left of the captivity, and concerning Jerusalem. And they said to me, The remnant that are left of the captivity that are in the province are in great affliction and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. Now listen to this, church, because it's so important, and it's the essence of what I want to share on this morning. It came to pass when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned certain days and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Now I want you to think for just a minute about the state of the United States, the state of the church in the United States. Each of us is going to make one of two responses when we look at the realities of life. We're either going to say within our hearts, that's just the way it is in our generation. Or we're going to look at it and be affected by it and take responsibility to change the way things are into the way things ought to be. Now I want you to to bear with me for a minute. What nation is Nehemiah part of? Let's have some interactive church. What is Nehemiah? Who is Nehemiah? He's a Jew. And he's from Jerusalem. But he's been deported in his generation. The Jews have been taken over. Let me ask you, what was the state of Judaism at this time? Well, it was an all-time low. And he's living at a Persian palace. And if you know the story, he's the cupbearer to the king. What's his real job? Yeah, to be poisoned before the king is. What do you think they think of Nehemiah? Is he some great man of God or is he the very lowest guy on the totem pole? The truth is the cupbearer is a pretty good job in the Persian Empire unless someone wants to poison the king. In which case, he's going first. So there's two ways, I guess, of looking at that. I mean, if, if you're uh, wanting to live on the ragged edge, maybe you'd want this job. I don't know. The bottom line is, this is what Nehemiah is. And he's concerned about Jerusalem. And he's concerned about the Jews living in Jerusalem. And the state of the people. Let me ask you this. How is it that Hanani could just come and make a report... And yet when Nehemiah hears these words, he starts crying. He's moved by what he hears. He starts praying. He starts fasting. I really believe that some of us get used to the way things are. To where we could, if I were to say, what's the state of the church in, in Chicago? Well, it's very divided. It's racially divided. It's theologically divided. There's, there's almost no prayer in the churches here in Chicago. And we could make this whole long list of stuff and walk away and say, that's just the way it is. Nehemiah hears these words and he's broken by what he hears. He can't just go about business as normal. 
because he knows what it should be. See, I can't help it. I'm already beginning to think about the year 2011. It's coming right around the corner. How many of you would really like to see some serious change in your life in the year 2011? I mean this with every ounce of my being. This is, this is as real a question as I've ever asked in church. My, do you understand, unless you can be so affected that you would start weeping, fasting, and praying, your life is not going to change in the year 2011 at all. Can I be that bold? And I'll tell you why I believe that. Because God has given us this Word to show us the kind of lives that we should be living. I don't know how many of you know the story here. Nehemiah is going to do in 52 days what Israel had not done in two entire generations. Rebuilt the walls. Reestablished the sense of the national destiny in Jerusalem. Seventy years, basically, they're in captivity. Nehemiah does in 52 days because he begins to personalize what's going on. Let's be very honest. Are we responsible for the previous generation's sin and the situation that we find ourselves in today? Or can each of us justify? I, can, I wasn't born until 1960. By the time that I was a little kid, we were passing laws about how we're going to take God out of the school. How many of you, there's got to be a few of you that remember prayer in school. I actually remember that. I remember praying in school. I remember in the third grade, it changed. We went from praying and actually having a teacher lead us in prayer in school. When I moved to California, they had already, they had stopped it in the third grade, no more. Back in Texas, we prayed. When I went back to Texas after that, the law had changed and there was no more. How many of you remember when they took the Ten Commandments down, this is just a few years ago, from all the courtroom walls? You know, it's amazing. We're concerned that, that there's no prayer in schools. You know what I'm much more concerned about? There's no prayer in church. They, they can't tell us not to have a prayer meeting, but when we have one, there's only a handful of people that care enough to even come. And I know we're all busy. I know you're busy. I'm, I'll, I'll go head to head with anybody in this room over busyness. This comes down to priorities, man. What are we going to live for? What do we believe in? What matters to us? See, Hanani, and again, I don't know, I'm not here to put him down, but look, I believe that God draws a clear line in the Scripture between two lives. One of them can come and say, this is the way it is, man. Times are tough and things are bad. Somebody else says, I want to change it. And you know what Nehemiah does? It's amazing. He actually takes responsibility in the form of praying, fasting, weeping, seeking God, literally committing himself and saying, Lord, anything at all you want, I want to be part of what you do to change this situation. Let's read the, 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 these next few verses. Again, verse 4, let's, let's take up in that paragraph. It came to pass when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned for days. 
days. Has anyone here ever sought God for days and then not gotten an answer? That's never happened to me ever in my life. Sometimes it does. You know what that means? Seek Him more. Go after Him harder. It's amazing. When, when this building, where this, this horrible atrocity has just happened, you know when this thing opened up to us? We were on a 40-day fast. What happens when we actually set our hearts to see God begin to move? I can't tell you how many people I know that in an extended time of prayer got an answer for their healing, got an answer for their marriage, got an answer for their child, got a word of knowledge. One time Tracy and I, when one of ours had run away and done something crazy, God gave us a phone number in prayer. When was the last time you called a phone number and your daughter is hiding out in that house? And she can't run from the Holy Ghost. Did that happen, baby? Radical stuff, guys. Listen to verse 5. I said, I beseech thee, O Lord God of heaven, great and terrible God that keeps covenant and mercy for them that love Him and observe His commandments. Let your ear now be attentive and your eyes open that you may hear the prayer of your servant, which I pray before you now day and night, for the children of Israel, thy servants, and confess the sins of the children of Israel, for we have sinned against you, both I and my father's house have sinned. What? This guy is not responsible for what's happened? Or is he responsible to change what's happening now. You understand, this man was not born when his father's sins sent the nation into judgment. I want you to hear me for a few minutes. Every one of us in this room can justify themselves and say, well, America is just in, you know, the church in America is just in a tough time right now. There's not a lot going on. There's only a handful of miracles even in the nation. I still get blown away every time I think about those mongoloid children getting out of the wheelchair out there at Bill Johnson's place. Isn't it about time we were worshiping God and God just so radically touched somebody that you have to go and introduce them to their parents because their parents can't recognize their own child? They've been so transformed. That kind of stuff is happening but just a little bit, I really believe that God has greater things for us than we've ever seen. And yet each of us can say, well, I, I, it's not my fault. It's not my sin. I didn't cause this to happen. Is that Nehemiah's prayer? Or does Nehemiah say, no, it is us. And I can change it. And I can repent on behalf of my family. And I can repent on behalf of those that have gone before me whose sin caused Israel to go into judgment. I'll be really honest with you. My, my biggest concern right now is what the future holds in this nation. I don't know how many of you have really set in your heart to go out and vote in just a couple of days, but I want you to know like never before, your vote matters. We've actually got a group that I believe fundamentally is not even American. 
that really wants to tear down every possible thing in America so that we'll be ripe to become part of a one-world government. They flatly said over and over again that their real strategy is globalism. They want America to surrender its authority and power. See, here's the problem I have, because it's not about America. I'm a Christian first. I want you to understand that. But my concern is the freedom to worship God and the freedom to pray and the freedom to evangelize. Because you've got a group in power now who actually wants to make it illegal to hand out a tract and illegal to even use the name of Jesus on the streets. It's amazing. I know many, many of us vote over one cause for some time. I mean, it could be race. That would be the most important thing. If there's a black candidate and you're black, you're going to vote black. And if somebody's white and there's a white candidate, they'll vote white. And they won't even think about who that person is or what they stand for or what they believe in. It's amazing. I'm not going to get off on some political thing here, but I want you to understand something. What happens in the next 10 years in this nation could be irreversible if we continue to go in an ungodly manner. This morning, it's awesome. We can come. We can worship. We can actually say the name Jesus. Listen, Jesus is Lord. All over the world this morning, that's illegal. And they would bust in at gunpoint and stop us from going any farther. And I'll tell you why. Because no one has taken the responsibility to change what's happening. You know the most important thing a Christian, a Christian can do? Be faithful to God. He can pray and he can fast. She can pray. She can fast. She can use her mouth. He can use his mouth to proclaim the gospel in the name of Jesus in their generation. It's amazing. Right now we are literally in a battle, not just for North America, but for the whole world, that we could proclaim the name of Jesus freely and openly in our generation. Do you understand this year in Detroit people were arrested for handing out tracts? When I personally was down at the Taste of Chicago with, with Anthony, I don't see him this morning, I know he had to work today, and, and Anthony and Brony, we were down there handing out tracts, and the police stopped us. And the only reason I was not arrested is because whoever was the, the supervisor of that officer, he wanted to haul me in. The guy said, it's a Christian, let him go. I wonder how long that's going to be going. All he had to say is, bring him in, and I would have been arrested. Here in Chicago in the year, well, that would have been what, 2010. This is not ancient history. You know, I read this passage today, and yes, this is, in a sense, ancient history. But I tell you, it's more relevant than today's newspaper. Because this is the choice that we have this morning. We can all of us say, well, you know, I can't do anything. I can't make a difference. That's a lie. You can make a difference. You're appointed to be alive in this world at this time in history. You know, God didn't ask you permission to bring you into this world. Not one of us is really telling God what to do. God is inviting us to join Him in building His kingdom in this generation. 
And I read this and it, it just affects me. You know, I think every, every three or four years when I read through Nehemiah, I, I get hit again. It's like God is always increasing our capacity to understand even more. I, I thought I understood the book of Nehemiah until a week or so ago and I started reading it again. It's like God just made it come alive all over to me. And all I can say is this. Each of us is going to make a decision Will we just sort of smugly go about our lives and say, well, it sure is tough in the church at this time and this day and age. Oh, it's too bad we don't have revival. It's too bad we're not living at, you know, the Pentecostal outpouring or when Azusa Street was happening or it's too bad John Wesley isn't here. Listen, John Wesley's dead and so is everybody else that ever had a supernatural move of God or at least in those earlier generations. It's up to us. It's up to us in this generation. And I'll tell you where it starts. Right here in every one of our own hearts. Are we going to say, well, it's just the way it is? Or are we going to mourn and weep and pray? Suppose it takes days, church, to get our hearts right. We're going to give God, are we going to be the nod to God crowd? Lord, the bears are on in a half an hour. I, I Look, man, this guy better hurry up because I'm on my way out now. If, that, if that's your true priority in life, well, okay, get on with your losing self because they're not going anywhere anyway. One of my favorite things every, every season is when the Chicago team is out. I don't have to compete with it anymore. I've actually had people come up to me and say, Pastor, I'll see you when football season's over. I was sort of mean. It wasn't Jesus' spirit. I told them, don't worry about it. Don't, don't, you don't need to come back. They never did. I just, I, it's amazing to me in America. Dr. Lutchman, talking to the Fire School of Ministry, said something very interesting when we asked him the question, what's it going to take for God to do something here in America? You know what Dr. Lutchman said? And this is a guy that travels all over the world. He says, here in America, you're so comfortable, you don't really need God to do anything right now. When it's all taken away, you're going to start praying again. You'll start seeking God again. I don't remember what exactly he said, war or takeover or famine or pestilence, some kind of thing. Here we are in the middle of a recession where untold millions of Americans, hundreds of thousands a month are losing jobs. And has it caused us to pray like never before? What's it going to take? You know, let me, let me get radical. When did Nehemiah start praying? When his nation had been destroyed for two generations, for 70 years, a generation and a half. And it's amazing. One guy, one guy in 70 years can change the whole thing. One person fasting and praying. I want you to know my expectation for Jesus to come to this church and to do something radical in our midst has been raised like never before in the last several days because I know for a fact that God is going to do it here with us. I know for a fact that God is going to stir some of us up like never before to seek the living God. It's not about Pastor Steve. It's not about abundant life. It's about Jesus Christ and His glory in the city. It's not about anything else. 
It's just amazing to me. We, 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 we better think twice about, about what we really believe. In America, it's funny, if you're really committed, you'll vote. <laughs> Through the centuries, if you're really committed, you'd live and die for what you believed in. And there's no day like today and no morning like this morning that just underscores that fact so much. I'm telling you right now, guys, gals, take a few minutes this week. Read through Nehemiah chapter 1 a few times and let this thing get on you. Don't sit there another day and say, well, this is just the way it is in North America. This is just the way the church is. Who wants to change it? Who wants to be part of the changing of what's normal for us in our generation? You know, I don't know about you. I, I want this neighborhood to see the miraculous power of Almighty God. I want every group, every, every racial group, every religious group. I really believe when revival fire falls, we're, we're going to plant a church up on the north side, right in the middle of the Islamic area, right in the middle of the Asian area, where, where, they, where the Hindus are. It's amazing, when Dr. Lutchman came to town, we contacted church after church that are Indian churches. Not one of them wanted to have anything to do with somebody that might be speaking in tongues and laying hands on the sick. Sounds like they're a bunch of moody grads. I'm telling you right now, guys, in Jesus' name, you better get back to the book and understand what real Christianity looks like and really going after Almighty God. Or we're liable just to say, well, in our generation, you know, we lived here. We tried to be faithful. We tried to hang in there. And, uh, you know, it's just the way it was. Does that really sound like God working in our lives to you? I see this young man, and I'm sure he was a godly Jew. He can come and just make a report, unaffected by it. Somebody else hears the exact same report. What caused Nehemiah to be Nehemiah? It's his heart response to God. He knows this isn't right. The God that created the heavens and the earth is the one that called Abraham out of Ur of the Chaldees. He promised us that he would be with us. He would bless us. He would, he would come against our enemies. He would give us victory in every battle. And what's happened, obviously, I and my father's house have sinned. And so I and my father's house need to change it. So again, Nehemiah begins to repent even for previous generations and they have a supernatural move of Almighty God. Could it happen in Chicago? Could it happen in Chicago? I believe it. Father, we just look to you today, Lord, in the name of Jesus. God, I ask that you would stir us up, Lord. God, that word responsibility we struggle with it so much. We want to say it's, there's nothing we can do. It makes us feel more comfortable to say there's nothing we can do. It's just the church is too big. They're, you know, too backslidden and too divided. There's, and yet, God, we know there's nothing too big for you. God, I pray this morning for every one of my brothers and sisters that are here. I cannot believe this morning is just an accident for all these people to be here today. And to hear these words, I pray you'd stir us up like never before, Father God. Lord, we've been living for ourselves and living for our own comfort, living for what we can get out of life. 
Father God, I ask in the name of Jesus that you would turn it all right side up, that we would begin to live for you. We would begin to pray because we know that only you can transform the situation. Father God, I ask that you would raise up a praying church, a church that seeks your face, a church in love with you, Father God. Oh, Holy Spirit, God, come and do your work in us. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Let me ask real quick before we dismiss today, who's here this morning?